Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. This is Melissa, and I'm here in the studio today with Jen to do the second round of interviewing ourselves. Um, So we've already released one where Jen interviewed me, and today um, we're going to do the opposite. So welcome, Jen. Thanks, Melissa. (laughs) I'll tell you guys, I'm a little bit nervous about this. I am not used to being on this side of the questions. Uh I am great at asking questions (laughs) about other people's lives. So to share that publicly just gives me a little bit of anxiety, but I'm also excited about it. So. Uh-huh. Well, we will hold very therapeutic space for you while you do Thank this. You. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so before we get going, just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what was life like for you growing up? What was kind of the family that you came from, that sort of thing? Yeah, I came from, fortunately, a beautiful, wonderful family. I was born in Nebraska, a little rural town um, in the panhandle of Nebraska, and just had kind of that typical mom, dad, married. I had an older sister, four years older than me, and um, grew up doing chickens with (laughs) horses on our property. They weren't ours, but... Um, doing tours outside a lot. I was very, very tomboy. So being the second child, I think I got to kind of become the boy that my dad didn't Mm -hmm. get. So I was kind of his sidekick and everything he did, um, tried to wear, you know, clothes that were rough and dirty and loved to get messy. And, uh, that was so much a part of my personality was just that rough tumble, um, kind of wild child. So, was in Nebraska until I was seven and my dad worked for the railroad. And so that, if anyone's familiar with that lifestyle, that's a lifestyle of him on the road a lot, traveling really frequently. And then, um, always kind of trying to move up in his position required us to move a lot. Hmm. So when I was really young, he spent a lot of time in Colorado working um, during, you know, then during the summers, we'd go there and visit him and stay in a univan, which is like a little trailer on the railroad tracks. And uh, so that was kind of an interesting way of life uh-huh. sometimes um, <laughs> where the trains would go by and you'd have to like lock up your cupboards because they'd shake and all your dishes <laughs> would rattle. But yeah. I have really special memories of that time of just all of our family being together, like doing that together. And I was young enough to not really know any different. It didn't feel weird. It was just kind of a fun adventure. So um, he then got a promotion in Springfield, Missouri, when I was in first grade. And so we made that move. And I remember my mom and my sister feeling really sad about it and just being like, what's so sad about this? You know, I was in first grade. I didn't have Mm -hmm. like these friendships that were just so long-term and special. It was just kind of an exciting thing. Um, and you know, of course they always like, Oh, we'll we'll get a dog when we get there Mm -hmm. and you'll get to have this big backyard. And so that for me, that was all I needed. And we moved to Springfield and spent um, the significant majority of my childhood growing up there in Springfield. And then when I was in, um, right at the end of my freshman year, he got another job promotion to the Panhandle of Texas. And then I really felt the impact of what it's Mm -hmm. like to uproot and move. And that was really hard timing. Looking back, it was probably great timing for me to start fresh. Um, 
as I kind of look at some of the social networks I was in and what my friends were and what we I was. We can read between the lines. Yeah, again. what I was yep. exploring. <laughs> so um, in hindsight, it was perfect timing. But at the time, it felt absolutely devastating to leave and to start new again. So we were in Texas, graduated high school there. I went to college there and graduated with my bachelor's. And then he moved again back to Springfield. And I moved back after I graduated. So it was about a year after my parents moved back. My sister was still in Springfield because she had already graduated high school before we left. So she stayed there. So we all kind of like came back together Mm -hmm. and now... Um, for a period of time, we all lived in the same neighborhood. <laughs> We're just really close knit and back. Uh-huh. My sister is my backdoor neighbor. Uh, we've moved and then she moved back to our backdoor uh-huh. neighbor again. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of all back in Springfield and this is what feels like home for us. Mm-hmm. Well, so what does life look like now? Yeah, it's busy. It's crazy. <laughs> I have four kids. I've got a 14-year-old, and um, she just started high school. She's actually our adopted child, and she came to live with us when she was 11. And so we finalized her adoption just over a year ago. So I'm a mom of a teenager all the way down to a (laughs) (laughs) one-year-old. Your house is fun. <laughs> yes, and then there's two in between. So there's 14, 7, and she's in first grade, 4, and he's in pre-K, and then our um, one-and-a-half-year-old, and she's just home being her crazy little self. And my husband is a principal at a, um, a middle school and elementary school, and I work part-time doing therapy, and then a whole lot of EMDR training, consulting, podcasting, all of that. So mm-hmm. life now is a blur. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it. A lovely blur. It is. A super fun blur, but a blur nonetheless. Yes. Well, so you talked about it a little bit, but um, right now kind of what's on the horizon for you as far as professionally and career-wise, what's big uh, in that realm? Yeah. So I think my nature is that there's always something on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I feel like I've – my both feet are planted. I'm doing something Looking for the next thing. (laughs) And Melissa, we're so much alike in that, which is why we find our paths together right now. But we just purchased a beautiful Victorian home on a historical street in Springfield. And so we're building a private practice there. Um, Melissa's a part of that. Mm -hmm. Several other wonderful therapists, massage therapists um, are all a part of this um, experience. And we're developing that doing a lot with EMDR trainings, um, the podcast, of course, and working towards more like intensives and retreat type Mm -hmm. things that we can do with that location that Mm -hmm. we have. So I have to share this. So one of my favorite things about the new house, you guys, is that it's three stories. And on the third floor, we have an Airbnb, which means that people can come and stay on premises for intensive work. And it's lovely and colorful. And there's a wraparound porch and trees. I'm in love. It's wonderful. It is like a little piece of paradise. So, you know, if any of you listeners want to come visit Springfield or already <laughs> come and live do an in intensive with us, <laughs> come rent out the Airbnb, visit downtown. Uh-huh. We can do some consulting in person or just hang out. <laughs> hey, we should really consider that. That's not a bad idea. Seriously. <laughs> well, so, Jen, what do you feel like inspired you to kind of get into being a therapist that focuses on trauma, that focuses on EMDR? How did you kind of get into that hard work? Yeah. 
it's hilarious because I look back at what I thought my career was going to look like. Um, and when I first, I'll start with when I was a little girl, I think um, being a therapist has just been super natural to me, like mm-hmm. being very empathetic and attuned with people. I remember being a little girl, my mom being like, you need to be a therapist when you grow up. And I'm like, yeah, right. That's I'm that sounds boring. That. Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever want to do that? I'm going to do all these other things. Okay. Um, and so I just heard that several times. And when I got into college, I was like, well, let's try psychology classes because I have no idea what else I would do. Mm-hmm. And really just it connected. It felt right. But I always thought like, okay, so I'm going to work with people who just need to come and talk about how stressed they are with work and the most well-adjusted, mm-hmm. little, little to no problems, just someone to talk to. And now I find myself as a trauma therapist, mm-hmm. which are all those people too in oh, reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, really working with some of the most severe trauma, complex trauma. And I think it just naturally like morphed into that place in the more um, the natural empathy that I have and connection with people, I think really just drew me into that type of work Mm -hmm. because I could connect with them in that pain and be a part of helping them to feel safe and heard and seen while they go through that experience. Mm -hmm. So when I was in, I was working at a residential substance abuse treatment center. And I mean, we saw very, very severe chronic trauma. And I just kept feeling like, I'm not doing enough. Like they come in and they talk about it and there's just not enough. And then they leave and a lot of them would use again and struggle again and face more trauma. And I just felt like I could not keep up with really helping these clients. And I remember in grad school, our professor briefly mentioning EMDR because it was still not talked about a whole Mm -hmm. lot. And so I started researching it and looking into it and thought, hey, this might be and I, an option of something that could help because I just wanted to be able to do more. So I took the training and it just kind of everything fell into place from mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And since you're goal oriented, whatever <laughs> the next step is, you have done all of the next steps. Yes. Yes. The achiever for yes. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At some point we should talk about the Enneagram. Yes. Not today though. Um, well, so when you kind of think about your background in, in trauma therapy and understanding what all of that means, how do you feel like that impacts your day-to-day life and the way that you function? It requires some really careful balancing mm-hmm. and juggling. I mean, it's hard work, and anyone listening to this podcast relates to that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we hear some of the heaviest things and if you're very empathic, you feel them with the clients. And so it takes some really careful balancing of being able to shift aside and put the work I do, you know, on the side when I leave to go home to be a mom of four and a wife and um, not carry that with me. So I think it's it requires a lot of like intentional effort to separate those two worlds mm-hmm. and then just really honing in on my self-care yeah. and making sure that I feel connected with people that I can relate to in the work that I do. And that's a huge reason this podcast is so helpful for me personally is just feeling like even though I'm, you know, I'm getting to talk to you, Melissa, mm-hmm. but talk to other people and then hear, you know, response from other people and just feel connected. And that's a huge piece of self-care for me. So yeah, yeah. I think it, it's it affects me in that way. And I, I take steps for it not to affect me negatively, but then in a positive light it has an impact just on the way I see the world. Like ever since really being trained in EMDR 
it's completely shifted my framework of understanding of like symptoms. So someone who has anxiety chronically or struggling with panic attacks or even substance abuse, for Mm -hmm. instance, it's not a matter of these are bad choices or you just have the, you know, genetic predisposition for this and you're just stuck with that. But it's really understanding what creates these things in the world. And even to take it to a more broad perspective, all of the um, just terrorist things that are going on right Mm -hmm. now and hearing those and hearing people talk about them of how bad these people are and how awful these things are, but to have a different sense of like where this is really coming from Mm -hmm. and that hurting people sometimes hurt people and that to get to the root of all of this is really focused in this work that we're doing as trauma therapists and trying to heal that and prevent some of those things. So I think I just look at humanity very differently. Yeah. Agreed. With this in my background. Agreed. Other than just, you know, that interesting change of when you're listening to someone talk constantly thinking, Ooh, that's a target. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and my husband has to be like, stop. <laughs> yeah. I've mm-hmm. learned not to say it out loud. <laughs> yep. Well, so you mentioned self-care and, you know, I mean, all of us as therapists know that we need to be much better at self-care and all of that, but what do you feel like are kind of your go-to things that work? Not that you do them perfectly or all the time, but what do you feel like you rely on the most as far as your self-care practice? So I would say it's an area I need to continue to develop in <laughs> and improve in. Um, so podcasts are huge for me as far as just turning off my mind of something else. So not therapy-related podcasts, which I do have some of those, and not even parenting podcasts because those right. are work, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, oh, look at what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I need to change. But just some, like, mind-numbing podcasts are, like, things uh, that keep me curious and interested, and that's yeah. a that's something that um, some people, it's reading for me, it's listening because that's what I have time to do. Right. Um, ironically, self-care for me is cleaning my house, like keeping it clean. I notice my emotional state is so much more in check when my environment is in check. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't like the process of doing it, to take care of myself emotionally, um, making sure that's done and asking for help to get right. that done. Right. So, yeah, I was going to say there's no small feat when you have four kids in the house. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's lot. a lot of cleaning. It is. And a lot of laundry. So organizing, uh-huh. cleaning, um, podcasts, and then just connecting with friends and family and making sure that that's a top priority. And I, because I'm an achiever and very goal-oriented, it's hard to prioritize that over work. Right. I'm thinking, okay, in the same hour, I could be helping this client address mm-hmm. this thing or, mm-hmm. you know, taking this new training, but to just to recognize the importance of it for myself and, you know, for our relationship. So prioritizing that time, which is why I try to work part-time right. um, so I can be home and be a mom and just soak up all of those moments and not feel like they're just passing me by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Well, so do you feel like you've personally experienced uh, the healing impact of EMDR in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as an EMDR therapist, we need to experience it. Mm -hmm. And we put that in the training. So that's kind of part of the training process. We all get to experience it. But then even past that, being able to recognize like, hey, if this is a tool that I so readily want to promote and use for my clients. I want to experience it and feel that healing benefit myself. 
I have done EMDR therapy personally, but my husband as well. And that has been, I think, kind of that secondary gain for me, like a benefit that I get in our relationship and our family has been really supporting him as he goes through that process Mm -hmm. and um, as he went through it and that journey. And that was a really powerful thing for our family as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say watching my spouse go through it was probably as impactful mm-hmm. as, as my own. Right. Um, because you see the nitty gritty of how they function and how they're reacting emotionally and to mm-hmm. see it up close in that way is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that tells us for our clients, it's probably the same for their families mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, that experience and just how huge that can be in our lives and changing our reactivity to some of yeah. um, some of their symptoms that they present with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Well, so here's just some kind of like fun, interesting questions. Um, so what would you say, you know, you talked about cleaning your space and your environment being important. So do you have like a certain decor style that you really like or a certain way that you like your space to, to feel? So I'm currently obsessed with decorating right now because of this new house. <laughs> I am constantly scrolling Pinterest and Facebook marketplace and all of those. So the office right now is very mid-century modern, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. or, um, bohemian modern some yeah combination of those two things yes kind of a mashup of those Uh because of the age of the house and its historical nature it kind of has that same feel to it Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been a totally new style for me as far as it's not what i previously had in my home so it's been really exciting to be like oh i can get an orange velvet (laughs) couch Yes, you can. <laughs> and it will look so good. So, and then these bright colored rugs and um, it's been really fun. Uh-huh. I'd so, say that's self-care. Oh my gosh, yes. Just that artistic expression of oh, things. And having an office that has color and interest and texture and all of that, I yes. think is hugely helpful. That's so true. And I, with frequency, will have clients comment on that and talk about, you know, I mean, our space is an art studio and it, you know, looks like one mm-hmm. and feels like one. Um, and they will comment about how inviting it is, how homey it is and how fun it is to come and sit on a orange velvet couch, you know, rather than something boring. And, um, so I do, I think it just kind of nurtures everybody that enters that space. So I totally get that. So how about food? Do you have a favorite kind of food? Do you like to cook? Do you hate to cook? I love to cook. I hate to cook with children at my feet. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, in this phase of life, I guess I hate to cook. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's always a child at your feet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I love food. I love eating out. I think I especially love like exploring their food, like mm-hmm. trying new things. And I used to be super picky eater as a kid. And now I'm like, put anything in front of mm-hmm. me. Like I want to try something new. Mm-hmm. So um, when Melissa and I travel or, you know, when we're doing these trainings, if we can go try new restaurants and yeah, even like fun. ethnic food, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I wouldn't want to order the same thing twice because then you don't get to try something new. Mm-hmm. But as far as what we cook at home, it's all pretty basic grilled chicken, vegetables. Right. <laughs> you know, just well, I mean, you're feeding simple. your tiny army, so mm-hmm. you got to keep it simple. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> A lot of chicken nuggets at my house. <laughs> 
I mean, they're the organic kind, so yeah, you know, not just a little better. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's mostly for my mental health. It has actual <laughs> health benefit, I'm sure. Um, well, so I remember you saying one time that at the beginning of the year, you kind of made a commitment to yourself to try to read more. Mm-hmm. So how's that going? And what are you reading right now? Well, yes, it's going well. Um, <laughs> so prior to my New Year's resolution to read, I would say I probably went a solid six, seven years of not reading a single leisure book. Now mm-hmm. I've read a lot of text material that's for trainings and my right. work, but not just like for fun. indulging in something mm-hmm. fun. So I made that goal and I've been successful. I read a series of, I had four books in it and it was like sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. type, which was total, I think it's the name of it's like Hush. Um, it's probably geared towards like teenagers, but I had fun hey, with it. Young adult sci-fi novels, yeah. they're great. <laughs> and it was like, let's pick something I totally would have never That's chose. Right. And it was on a list of great books. So I read it and I read it. And you can four. hand it off to your 14 year old. There you go. She's going to love it too. <laughs> I can relate on something. <laughs> So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent series that someone recommended was Outlander. And I'm going to give my disclaimer to this. Please don't judge me based on that because I have no <laughs> idea what's in it yet. I'm like four chapters in and mm-hmm. I've heard it's a little risque. There's a TV series oh, about no it. Oh, I have yeah. Um, and I think the TV series might be rated like for, I don't know. I don't know what ratings are, but uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I, we'll see how it goes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Any of you listeners have Maybe warnings to stop, let me know, or I've actually heard really great feedback about it, so we'll see, but mm-hmm. I'm just getting started in that. I think there's like eight or ten books. Oh, wow. They're, take they're like while. dictionary uh-huh. size, so I don't know uh-huh. how that's going to go. <laughs> Will you stick it out? We shall see. Uh, what about music? I listen to a variety of just about anything, mm-hmm. so I've pretty much the radio. If I'm not on the radio, I do podcasts. My sister gets into a lot more... Um, I guess, trendy, artsy type mm-hmm. music that she'll send me and like, hey, listen to this song. So she's my guide Listen to that. this to be cool. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have friends like that too. They're helpful. And then um, I have a couple of songs that a client actually recommended. She'll bring in like random songs that she listens to that connect with her healing mm-hmm. and like self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend I Am Light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful and the words in it are just I would tell you to share it with all your clients listen to it in session together like it is really really Who's a the special artist? song you would ask me that <laughs> but the song's called I am light yeah while okay. we're talking I could probably go <laughs> but um that oh, one and then this one you guys are gonna get a chuckle out of but another one is soulmate by Lizzo <laughs> oh I love yeah and <laughs> That's good. you might Look at the edited version because there, there's really only like two really bad words, but um, it is so empowering. And it's one of those songs. I'm like, before I go work out, like uh-huh. I just like, jam out to it really loud, and I feel like I'm on top of the world, uh-huh. like the greatest thing. So it's a very high vibe song. It is really mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so last question, Jen. Who do you feel like is someone that you really look up to professionally or personally? Somebody that you really admire? Yeah, I would probably say in two different categories there. Personally, I look up to my dad a lot. Mm -hmm. He's very achievement-based, hard, hard worker, just a real inspiration. He became like in the railroad, a manager of a huge territory that covered like six states without Mm -hmm. graduating high school. Wow. So there's only like 
six in the entire um, railroad that he was in in the country in that role and he would budget like millions of dollars and never even graduate high school so mm-hmm. very just impressed with his work ethic and what mm-hmm. he achieved um so personally he's definitely someone i look up to <clears throat> professionally i'd say there's a lot of people uh, of course still hold some of my graduate instructors in that mm-hmm. high regard of just like mm-hmm. thinking back to them and it's interesting now becoming colleagues that work alongside right. them now That's so true um i've even been a consultant for uh-huh. you know a supervisor i had at one point yeah. and so that's kind of an interesting shift but um, i don't think i have one professional specifically that stands out but just really always staying in that place of being a learner and knowing that no matter where someone's at in their professional journey, there's something I can take from that. And so just kind of looking to everybody of what is it unique that they have to share that I could absorb and take in. Mm Well, thank you so much, Jen, yeah. for you know being so uncomfortable on that side of the hot seat. I appreciate it your willingness fun, to share, right? <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed um, you know just listening in and getting to know us a little bit on a different level because um, it can be kind of fun to know who the people are behind the microphone. And uh, please feel free to comment and ask us questions and interact with us on Facebook, either Messenger or you can send us, say, an email because um, we love to know where you guys are at and what you're thinking about and what questions you have about EMDR. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to noticethat at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.